Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de VIX, Consuelo, disponible en la app de VIX, ya. A person who blazes a trail for others to follow through unsettled territory. That is how you define a trailblazer. And that's exactly what today's guest has become for many young women and now mommies. Journalist and producer Cristina Guerrero went from growing up in very humble beginnings to becoming a successful TV personality and the first Latina to host E! News. Her story of determination and hard work promises to inspire us to dream big. We'll also chat about what motherhood has taught her on the journey of creating your own path. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. All right. Good morning. All right. Today is kind of a crazy morning for me, at least. Pamela's used to this. Here's the thing. Pamela is like a live on the edge kind of chick. She's like all the deadlines, like throw them my way. She's like, yes, I got it. And she like gracious throughout the whole time. I am like the be prepared five hours early kind of person. So these kinds of like hectic mornings, I just... What did you have this morning? Was it Nothing. I don't know. I just let... I don't like know. drop off breakfast. I well, I mean... Like. <laughs> drop... Don't even get me started on drop off. I don't want to talk about drop off anymore. It's still hard. So, so. happy Friday. We're tipping on a Friday today. We have a guest today. I love yes. when we have guests and I'm so excited for this one. Yes, yes, yes. I'm super excited about our guest and I have so many things that I want to talk about with our guest, but I think that we're not going to have enough time. <laughs> Because there's so much. We'll make it happen. Like, yeah, why yeah, don't yeah. we start then with our motherish moment of the week? Are you ready for yours? Four is at an age. So he's almost two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> so I officially don't have a baby. I know I've been saying that I don't have a baby for a long time, but I think it's official. Like, he's not a baby. It's been official, Pamela. I know. I mean, he's still my baby. And it's so funny because I don't want to get rid of the bottles. So every time I see him drinking his milk in the bottle at night, he looks so babyish. So I'm like holding on to I'm that I'm surprised that time. you're still doing it because you're so like by the book with stuff. I know, you know? but I think it's, what it's your for me. Pediatrician it's for me. I'm say. selfish. I haven't even told her. I don't okay. know. I it's lied enough. to my pediatrician about it, so I, I don't care. You know me. I'm like, whatever. No, I love my pediatrician, but I was just like, well, am I supposed to tell her? I don't no, know. because Anyhow. I mean, my pediatrician made such a big deal about like, they need to drop the bottle by the time they're one, blah, 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 like, whatever. two bottles a day. One in the morning. I know. Night, that's why I don't think it's a big cuddling deal. Cuddling in bed with me and I love it. But, you know, he looks like an older child and he's in the <laughs> stage where people go up to him whether it's my family or my close friends or even just like a stranger on the street and they'd be like, hi, four, and they want to interact with him. And his reaction is not a very warm social one, <laughs> right? So I know that he's so young enough where I'm going to give him a space and kind of like let him process and, and react that he wants to react and not force him to act a certain way. But I think I said this one time, I get a little embarrassed sometimes. Like, when is he going to be at the proper age where I'm going to be able to not discipline him, but maybe like give him more guidance, right? So I, I keep telling him when we're not in front of people, you know, when someone says, hello, hola, Ford, como estas? Use your words, hola, bien, gracias, like just one word. And I think he still gets very overwhelmed. I'm very social. I love people. I'm very, I think, kind. 
you know, and polite. And I just want him to be that way. But right now, he's the opposite. Like, he's anyone comes baby. out to him, he's like, hey, boy, you're so cute. Oh, my God. And he's just like, meow. And like, he just makes like these really angry noises and facial expressions. And I'm like, que pesado. Like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I will say before you got here, your mom and I were talking and we were talking about like the stage that our kids are in and stuff. And she was basically saying how you guys, meaning you and me, need to, you know, be very disciplined. You need to be firm with them because when Pamela was this age, I would just look at her and blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I am a victim in this no, situation of my three-year-old. But <laughs> anyway, it's just funny because we've had a few of those episodes, and that's my the first thing I could think about because I've been I don't want to laugh about it, but I'm just like, here we go again. I thought we had to talk about this, and someone is no, so nice and so sweet to him, and he's just. Not. I don't think you should be embarrassed. It, he's a toddler, and this it's is just, like part of. Their, I know it's their also thing. amazing how they develop their own personalities, right? Like yeah. you're thinking they're gonna be a certain way, like no. such a sweet, nice, you know. Boy, he is a sweet, nice I know, boy. I know. He's he's, saying, like, I think he, physically his brain is not even fully developed yet I to know, be like, what I are know, you even know, talking about, mom? Like, I don't get it. I don't want to be nice because they're impulsive still. We need to get like an actual, like either a child psychologist or a doctor or someone who can tell us. But like, I'm pretty sure like the part that controls your impulses is not fully developed. I also so, like, think I'm guilty crazy of, of and like, I do this what other people do. I feel like sometimes I treat him like an older child because he looks older and I forget how his You're brain like, get so. a job I know. did you do that to him <laughs> no um, my motherish moment is going to be related to this because for context like ford and victoria are exactly one year apart victoria is one year older and so sometimes i'm afraid of the things that i say because i'm like it's not over, right? Like you have so much more still that you're gonna deal with. But you know, right now I'm going through a really tough time with Victoria. Everything she didn't do in the quote, terrible twos, which like, we don't say that anymore, whatever. Everything she didn't do, she's now just doing all of it. And I started kind of like reading because I literally Googled, why is my three-year-old crazy? And I got a lot of answers, actually. What, but in terms of what, like tantrums, like talking back? Oh my like God, it's everything. Needy, it's, like she's very clingy with me because she's so verbal. She like throws all this like, you know, ah, da, da. she's like threatening me now. Uh, super fun, super, super fun. So for example, I was telling her she couldn't do something and I'm like, you can't do this. And I'm being very firm with her and blah, blah, blah. And here I am thinking I'm being very intimidating, you know, and she goes, no, like this. And she goes, yo voy a devolver tu disfraz de pirata. So she's like saying she's going to return my pirate costume. And I'm like, what? And she's like, si tú me hablas así, yo voy a devolver esto. And I'm like, how do I react to this? And of course, in that specific moment, I was exhausted and stressed out and I have a million things to do. So I didn't have the patience to be like, you know, the Instagram mom that is like, oh, that's a child. I know you're angry right now. I know you're feeling this way. So I was like, what are you talking about? You weren't even there when I bought it. You don't know where it is, where it's from. And she goes, is it Goodwill? And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> and I'm like fighting with her. And my mom was like, Karen, you can't fight with a three-year-old. And I'm like, but why is she like this? Like, it's so hard. And like, so, what it, but hello, it's such a bitch sometimes. Like, oh my God. So anyway, you know, to wrap this up, the point is, 
I was reading and it was saying that when they start school, because this is obviously new to her, now she's going to school or whatever, they feel restricted all day. The whole time that they're in school, they're holding back because they don't want to be this crazy person with their teachers. And so they're at school, her teacher's like, oh, she's the sweetest, she's so helpful, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, okay. And so when you pick them up and then they go home, they feel that they're in their safe zone. And so they release and they have to release all the hours of like feelings that they've been holding back. So, so yeah, help me. No, I'm just kidding. So that's my situation. So that's my mother's moment. It's crazy. We're having a hard time, but hey, I'm that's what more, wine is I'm for. I'm feeling more impressed because obviously I'm dealing with Fords. Every time you tell me a Victoria's Secret, I'm like, she said all that? Like what an amazing way to express herself. Like her verbal skills are insane. Yes, amazing. Um, Christina. <laughs> anyway, so let's, before we formally introduce, let's ask her to share her motherish moment of the week. Hi, Christina, I know you have two boys. Boy mom. I do. I have a nine-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I feel both of you guys on so many levels. I'm like, yes, me too. And as you're telling the story about Victoria, I'm thinking, don't you just want her to send you to your room? Just be like, just send me to my room. I'll go to bed without dinner. Just send <laughs> Yes. <laughs> if you're the adult now, just send me to my room without dinner. But I totally get it. Sebastian, uh, my two and a half year old, also just started preschool. Well, I say he just started, but he started back in um, January. And everybody told me drop-offs are going to be hard for the first two weeks. And then it was two months later and they were still so challenging. And they said, oh, the first three months. And now we're at nine months. And he still cries every time we drop him off. It's still a challenge every time we drop him off. And now I'm just like, you know what? He's going to figure it out. Here's what gives me perspective, though, is that I also have a nine-year-old. And this, too, shall pass. So I always think of that. I'm, I ask Mateo, my nine-year-old, all the time. I'm like, do you remember when you would cry and you would, like, kick and scream and you'd pull my hair because you didn't want me to leave? He's like, no. See? Yeah, you're all right. You don't remember that. You don't remember that very traumatizing moment for you and for me. So I'm like, this too shall pass. And as far as the bottles go, oh my God, my baby has a bottle, two and a half. He'll probably have it till he's five. He sleeps with mommy. No rules out the window. They will figure it out. So I, I totally it. get that. Yes. Um, my motherish moment, I will say, is that yesterday, you know, we're talking about how overwhelming it is when you're a working mom and you've got kids and you've got soccer practice and you've got homework and you've got dinner and all the things. And what I realized, we had this amazing moment yesterday, but over the last week is that I have passed on many things to my son, Mateo, but one of the biggest things that I passed on to him is my anxiety, my anxiety and my people pleasing. And we had a really hard time last weekend because he had a soccer tournament and he was very overwhelmed and he felt a lot of pressure to perform and be perfect and you know and i realized now we're just i'm overwhelming him me and my husband both we're overwhelming him with um you know you have to be great at this not you don't have to be great try your best at this you have to be give a hundred percent you've got a soccer tournament you've got homework you've got all of these things and i just saw his little heart he's just like oh my gosh overwhelming so we really tried to pull it back and just be like, Mateo, we just love you. These feelings of anxiety, because that's what we realized they were. He would get stomach aches all the time. And, you know, we're just like, you know, it's just too much and it's not necessary. You're nine years old. So yesterday, having another day and it's homework and it's soccer practice and it's this and you didn't do this and this and this. And I'm looking at his little face and we're on our way to soccer practice. And I was like, you know what, Mateo, this isn't worth it. We're going to turn around. We're going to go home, we're going to put a movie on, and we're just going to chill out. 
we're just gonna, this does not need to be this hard when you're nine years old. And if you're feeling overwhelmed because mommy's overwhelmed, then that's not okay. So we're gonna go home, we're gonna chill out, and it's not gonna be that hard. And later in the evening, he said, mom, you know, I'm really glad we didn't go to soccer practice. It just really gave me a chance to breathe. Oh my God. I was like, you know, I just realized that we're, we as moms and dads and, you know, are just trying to do it all. But that, that energy then goes to our kids and they feel it. You know, Mateo's very an empathetic person and he feels it and he wants to people please, which is something that I do. And he wants to please mommy and daddy. And I realized I'm like, that's way too much pressure to put on a little boy. And I, it just really gave me great perspective about what's important. You know, my hustle is not his hustle. Mm. And so that just gave me great perspective. And the fact that he recognized, he's like, I just got a chance to breathe. That I wasn't like throwing homework at him and soccer practice. And where's your soccer ball? And why didn't you get it? And you have to do homework. And it's just like, mm -mm. it's just not his personality. He holds on to it. And I'm like, I, that's not who I want you to be. So that was my motherish moment. I oh, love that. I know. That. that was such a good moment. And that, yeah. So mm. there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. I really like that. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, what am I passing on to Victoria? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Catherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo. Disponible en la app de Biggs, ya. So like we mentioned in the previous intro, Christina is a very well-known TV personality, but she's also, I love that we named this episode a trailblazer because it's someone who actually creates a path that then other people could follow, right? And benefit from and have you now as a role model. And when I was reading about you, you know, it really spoke to me and it broke my heart to feel like you didn't have anyone that kind of looked like you or that came from the similar backgrounds when you were growing up and kind of like, you know, creating your own path towards what ended up being your dream life. And I think, you know, that's sad. And that's why it's a huge, responsibility for you now, Christina, and for all of us, I think, now to kind of create, you know, an easier path for the following generation. So if you could please maybe start, Christina, with sharing your journey, you know, your upbringing, I think is very telling of someone who really allows themselves to dream big, regardless of the consequences and the realities of their upbringing. And I think it's important to tell that part of your story so that it can understand what type of person you are today. I always really want to be open about this part of it because I have been so blessed in my career and you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, you see on Instagram or social media is the hair and the makeup and the, the wardrobe and the red carpets and the celebrities and all that stuff. And what I always just want people to know is that this isn't how it started. Oh, it started so far away from all of that. You know, I'm from a really small town in central Washington state called the, it's the Yakima Valley. It's a small town called Sunnyside. And, um, we were very poor. We were very poor. My mom was, you know, we were on welfare and, uh, you know, got our food from food stamps and food banks and, you know, donations. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict and was in jail most of my life. So I never had a dad. And it's interesting as, as I got older, I was like, your dad's not in jail? That's interesting. <laughs> your reality just becomes so normalized that you don't realize that people actually have dads that take care of them and, and care for them. But I just had this fire. I don't know what it is. I attribute it to uh, higher power. But I just was like, I want to be on TV one day. I don't know. I don't know what it 
was. I just loved Entertainment Tonight while kids were watching uh, cartoons. I was there watching Entertainment Tonight, watching superstars. And I think there was a part of me, certainly, that just was my escape, escape from my reality, from domestic violence. We lived in a domestic violence shelter for a time and from the poverty that we lived in. And so it was like so opposite of what my life was. And so you know, I drowned myself in red carpets as a kid and watching that on TV and watching TV shows of affluent white people living this beautiful life. And I'm like, I want that. I want something bigger. I want something bigger than what this life looks like today. And I would tell everybody, I'm just like, I'm going to be on TV one day. And they're just like, oh, that's so funny, you cute little thing. And I just had this fire and I'm like, I'm going to move to Hollywood and I'm going to graduate from college and I'm going to be on red carpets one day. And, you know, people laughed at me. Oh, my gosh. People laughed at me. They discouraged me. You know, my mom, who meant well, you know, as a mom now, I understand she, she meant well, but she would just be like, Mia, that's not for us. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of competition out there. It's not for us. And I'm like, I know, but it's for somebody. Why can't it be for me? And so I just knew that the way out for me from my small town was education. So I did well in high school. I went to college. I got a academic scholarship to go to school and and I just hustled, you know? And when you have nothing to lose, you have nothing to lose. And so I just went for it. I went big. I left my small town. I had $1,000 in my pocket, which I saved up from, you know, making five bucks an hour. And I thought that was the most money ever. <laughs> I get to California, there's no welcome wagon. There's no one in Hollywood saying, we've been waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just worked, man. I just worked. I pounded on doors. I didn't take no for an answer. And I attribute it to two things. One, a higher calling and a higher power and a higher power. And the other thing was, I was like, I have nothing to go back to. If this doesn't work out, I have nothing to go back to. So this has to work out. And so, yeah, like doors were open for me because I was relentless and just being like, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, I think that if you're, if there's a calling, then doors will open, opportunities will present themselves. But are you willing and brave enough to continue to walk that path? And I really just didn't feel like I had a choice whether I wanted to be brave or not. I'm like, this has got to work. And, um, and so that's kind of where that, that journey kind of started for me. There's something I'd like to dive into a little bit, which I've heard you talk about previously, which I relate to a ton, which is once doors started opening for you and once you started kind of getting into the places where you wanted to get, how you felt in terms of like belonging there, right? Um, Mm, So for background, like I am going on nine years of working in tech. I work at Meta and I think I have spent eight and a half of those years dealing with imposter syndrome. Like just dealing with like, I'm here, but any day now they're gonna be like, oh, what did we do? Why, why'd we let her in? I know that you've talked about this in other conversations. I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you navigated that feeling. Oh, I'm still navigating it, right? I don't know that that ever truly goes away, but I think, you know, I found success super quick. After I like graduated college, I booked my first TV show and then booked another. and and really have kind of been working ever since. And so there was this naivete about my journey at the time. I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do. And I'm going to go be a star. And then I get there and I'm like, oh man, I'm not supposed to be here. And they're going to realize it any day, right? Every day I was just like, today's the day, today's the day. <laughs> and it's interesting because it's almost as if 
once I had achieved the dreams, the success that I wanted, it almost let my guard down. And so my guard kind of came down and I'm like looking around, I'm like I did it. And then like these voices, these voices started coming to me of like, you know, the voices that I really heard growing up, which, which is, this isn't for you. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not talented enough. You know, you're a poor Mexican girl from, you know, Cowtown, USA. Uh, you're not supposed to be on red carpets interviewing the biggest celebrities in the world. And all these voices just started like, are they right? Or is it true? And the anxiety, I mean, the, the anxiety inducing thoughts that I had created a lot of panic. Paranoia is a weird word, but that paranoia of like, they're going to realize it any day. Anytime I would go out, you know, I'm standing next to, you know, Ryan Seacrest or Juliana Rancic. And I'm like, oh my God, these are like, these are the people. I'm not the people. I'm not supposed to be here. And it would create panic and it would create anxiety. And, um, it was um, debilitating anxiety. It was debilitating. All of a sudden I was decided I was that poor, small town Mexican girl that didn't belong. Man, that was so hard. I mean, it's still so hard. I still think about it now. I still like, like, how did I get in the room? And then I'm like, cause I'm good at what I do. And then I look to God, I'm like, like you put me here cause I'm good, right? <laughs> but yeah, that imposter syndrome can really do a number on somebody's psyche and somebody's confidence. And, but also I just truly believe that I know that that's crazy. I know that in my, I know realistically, I'm like, no, you are meant to be here. You're supposed to be here. You deserve to be here. So it's a constant conversation that I'm having with myself. It's super challenging. A lot of times I get through it with prayer. I mean, no doubt about it. There's a higher power in my life and I get through it with prayer, which is like, if this is what I meant to do, if I'm supposed to be in these doors, at the table, then I'm just gonna trust you. So please come save me, <laughs> please be here with me. Um, the other part of it is that I recognize, as you said earlier, it is a responsibility. You know, I didn't grow up with people that look like me on TV. I always say that the person that I would look to, do you guys remember Saved by the Bell, Lisa Turtle? Yeah. She's black, so I'm like, she looks like me. <laughs> she's, she's like the closest thing that looks like me. And so, you know, one of the greatest things that i feel whenever I say it's a divine power I'm like God wasn't like you know what we need a Latina on the red carpet he doesn't care that I'm on the <laughs> God doesn't care what Brad Pitt is wearing or who Selena Gomez is dating right I always think that I'm here because I'm supposed to inspire another generation I'm supposed to be the person who another young poor Latina looks to believe like I think I can do it I believe that I can do it if she can do it I can do it I just recently got a message from her name is Naz Perez she's an entertainment reporter and she wrote on her Instagram I used to watch Christina Guerrero growing up and I thought if she can do it then I can do it and I'm like that's it that's what I'm here for Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo, disponible en la app de Biggs ya. Let's talk about motherhood, because I know that was also big, a new season for you that I think made you make a lot of new decisions. And how did that redefine your priorities? And obviously everyone, you know, we all get the question about work balance. But I think for you, motherhood also definitely took a very important role in your life, you know, mm -hmm. and for someone who works so hard to achieve that dream life and then be able to like have decide, okay, how much do I more do I want to hustle in this field when I have this other world that I need to manage and kind of dive into and navigate it? 
I'm always careful to say this because I don't want my kids to ever hear this and get the wrong idea. But I was not a person who wanted children. I wanted a career. I wanted a life of travel and money. And, you know, having seen my mom struggle with five kids, I'm like, that seems like a lot of work. That doesn't <laughs> seem like the route that I want to go down. And so my intention was actually never to have children because I was so career driven. I was so adamant about my ambitions and my career. And in order to make it to the top, like I couldn't have anything holding me down. Like at the drop of a hat, my agent could call me and I have to go to New York. Like, how do I do that with, with kids? And so it was never a part of my plan. And then I found great perspective. I realized that my career did not define me. You know, that's where a lot of the imposter syndrome also comes in and like that fear that it's all going to be taken away because you hold so much, you hold it so tight, like this cannot go away because then I have nothing else. Like who else am I? Yes. So that fear of it all going away and I'm like, and if it all goes away, what do I have? Like a career with very superficial relationships on a red carpet or, you know, TV cameras around me. I'm like, that's not what I want. I want something deeper. I want something stronger. And so, yeah, so at 33, I had Mateo and man, that was the best decision I ever made. I mean, I know that moms say that all the time, but his life gave my life so much more purpose that the career and the travel and the affluence and all that stuff, none of that even mattered because it didn't matter to him. And all that matters to me is what brings him joy. And let's just say on a career level, on a work level, it gives me a depth that I'd never known before. It gives me an empathy that I've never known before. When I meet people, it gives me a different way of talking to people, of approaching people, of, of looking at the world and looking at life and looking at what's important. And it's just given me so much more depth than I ever, ever could have known. I won't lie, got a little choked up in this part because I also, I was very scared when I was pregnant because I was like, what's going to happen to this life that I have spent, this life and this identity more than anything that I've spent so many years creating. If you try to envision, I don't know, your identity like a pie chart, there was like a sliver for family and the rest of it was career. And, and it was so big. And I remember the last work trip that I took because my gynecologist wouldn't let me travel anymore. He's like, you're very pregnant, please stop flying. I started crying because I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to fly this freely anymore. And I felt like I was almost gonna become like a prisoner of sorts. But then it was nothing like that. It was everything I didn't know that I needed and wanted. I love your perspective also of how it helped you change and give you more depth in how you approach your work and relationships at work and everything. I really love that. Well, also, I think, too, is that we think, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore and I'm not going to be able to do that. I would say that what changed me is like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to like hang out with my kid as crazy as they make me like a Friday night watching movies and eating popcorn and M&Ms like I that's what I want to do so it's not even like oh you know well I can't do that work trip because of my kids it's like I don't want to do that work trip because of my kids I love in one of your bios Christina I think you mentioned that you are a full-time mom and then on your spare time you're a tv host <laughs> um, and I think it's important to speak on this in terms of like sometimes when we work full-time and we have a job we have professions 
people tend to minimize how much time you spend being a mom, mm. right? And they forget that you're always a mom and you're a mom before anything else. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a full-time mom. Well, I feel like everyone's a full-time mom. I think we had an episode about like everyone's a full-time mom. Yeah. So um, if you could maybe elaborate a little bit on like how have you been able to, um, I guess, not divide your time, but maybe how important is it for you to have the role of mom before, you know, anything else? The term working mom is so tough because I know stay-at-home moms who work harder than anybody I know. Yep. <laughs> right? Yes. So, like, the term working mom is like, yes, I do go to a place, I do go to, to work, but I just want to shout out, like, all moms are working moms 24-7. This is a place of safety, so I'm just going to say this. I am constantly feeling like I'm coming up short. Either I'm coming up short as a mom or I'm coming up short as an employee. Mm -hmm. And so that's like mom guilt, right? So I was at a shoot recently, I was at work and I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like, I have to pick up Mateo. He's gonna be waiting for me. And of course I just see this sad little boy in my mind. I see the sad little boy who's just there waiting for his mom because she forgot to pick him up and she's late again. And so I'm hauling ass all the way back, you know, to his school and there he is. He's like, where were you mom? I was like, I'm sorry, I was working. and. It just ran late and I'm here. Can I buy you McDonald's? (laughs) (laughs) You want a McFlurry before dinner? Sure. Whatever you want. (laughs) You know, and then I call my work and I'm like, sorry, I just ran out of there. And, you know, I hope you got everything you needed. I just, it's this constant, you know, tug of war with myself. And so my kids, of course, always come first. But, you know, as women, we always want to, as working women, we also always want to feel like we're giving 1,000%, not 100%. We have to give 1,000%. So, I mean, I struggle still with it every day. You know, I struggle every day. You know, when Mateo says, you know, mommy, I don't want you to go to work today. Or, you know, Sebastian's crying as I'm dropping him off for daycare. And the reason I'm dropping him off for daycare is because I have to go to work. And then I get to work and I'm thinking about them and I'm with them and I'm thinking about work. And so I just try to give myself grace. Man, I try to give myself grace. I just think about it and I'm like, you're doing the best you can. That's what I tell Mateo when my nine-year-old and he, when he says, you know, mom, you didn't do this. I'm like, Damn, doing the best I can, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I also love how on social media, Christina, you're being very intentional about sharing very, I don't even know if the word raw is, but I think vulnerable moments, like real, like, you know, again, coming from a background of glam and glitz and like just being like all made up all the time. And I feel like before even social media, that's all we saw of you, right? We saw you camera ready all the time. We saw you on the right carpet. We saw you in the within the studio, well lit. I mean, you're gorgeous regardless, but I'm saying it's so nice to see the other side of Christina and how often you share this on social media. Like, why is it important to you for people to, to see that side of you? I think it's because it's just like all of like the work stuff, like the glam stuff is such a small sliver of who I am. And it's truly not who I am. I mean, it's so fun to get dressed up and all this, you know, and, and have the high heels and all that stuff. But truly who I am is a girl with a ball cap, some tennis shoes, and I'm all about comfort. I've always been that way. I've always been not a super girly girl. And so... I think for me, it's a little bit of like, hey guys, look at me. This is who I really am. And that's that other girl. She's she's fun and that's a cute skirt, but it's not who I am. And you know, for social media, I know a lot of times it's about like putting on the best you know version of yourself. And I think that's great. But like for me, it just doesn't feel authentic. I feel for people who actually know me are like, I think it's also coming from a small town. They're just like, no, we know who you are. That is not who you are. <laughs> 
that is not who you are. I feel more comfortable being the funny girl. I feel more comfortable being the awkward girl. Um, that glamorous girl is not, it just, she's all right. <laughs> she's so cute. I can't with you right now. You're so cute. I also wanted to close. I mean, we're getting close to the end of Hispanic Heritage Month. And you've spoken a lot about this, Christina, too, in the past about representation and, you know, and just having more Latinas and Latinos in the media overall. And you've seen the evolution in the path, you know, that we've been through. Do you think we still have enough? You know, like, where do you think we stand on that? That's such a hard question because, yes, has it made? have we made an effort? Certainly. Um, do we see more Latinos in front of the camera and behind the camera? Sure. Is it enough? Absolutely not. 100%, without a doubt, not enough. I will tell you that I have been up for jobs in a place where, let's say they have, and I love my blonde girls, don't get me wrong, they have five blonde girls, right? And then they have their Latina. And not that they would overtly say this, but it's like, nope, we've got our quota. Why do we need two Latinas? I'm like, well, why do you need 17 blonde girls? <laughs> you know, I think that there are people out there who are doing a fantastic job. Like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eva Longoria, um, yes. huge fan of Jennifer Lopez. I feel like there are these women out there who are certainly doing their part. But man, it's not easy to penetrate into a business that is run by white men, you know? So... Until we get leadership at the top in decision-making positions, it's not going to change. You know, I, I've worked for many companies where they're like diversity, inclusivity. Mm -hmm. We're all about diversifying. We all, you know, da, 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 da. And I, then I look at their management and I look at the people who are running it. And I'm like, well, why don't you add some brown and black people and other ethnicities to your top roster? Like, well, well, let's not get crazy. We, we, we want diversity, but we don't want it to go too high. I'm very passionate about this, as you can see. <laughs> so, yes, are we making some headway? Certainly. Is there a long way to go? 1,000%. I wanted to ask you just, I'm a boy mom, and uh, we're always curious about, like, sibling relationships, right? When you have two boys and they are, I think your boys are, like, six years apart? Mm -hmm, yeah. How is motherhood the second time around? You know, like, I feel like, we're both first-time moms, and I, you know, everyone's like, oh, she'll pass, yeah, it'll be better. Yeah. Like, is it that much better and easier the second time around? <laughs> you don't care as much. And you don't, it's not that you don't care about the kid as much. You love the kid. You don't care about the books as much. You don't care about the rules as much, right? You don't care what, you know, the thing that I realized with Sebastian, my poor baby Bash, we call him Bash for short, he's just like, okay, here's a perfect example. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but we co-sleep. We tried with Mateo. We hired a You're sweet coach. You're my girl. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> we hired a sweet she's, coach. She's we breaking out in hives right now. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so divisive. I mean, it's like yes. right up there, right? Yes. Yeah. It's so for Mateo, my nine-year-old, we hired a sleep coach. We got in a super expensive crib. We had people come in. They did the whole room. That kid never slept in his bed. We tried everything. We were miserable. And that kid just, he just didn't sleep. It just was what it was. So he ended up finally in our bed. I'm like, if you're sleeping, then I'm sleeping. And then everyone's sleeping. Everyone just drop where they are and sleep. So when Sebastian came around, we're like, we're not going to go through that again. If he wants to sleep with us, great. If he wants to sleep on his own, fantastic. If he wants a bed, fantastic. If he doesn't want a bed, great. If he wants to sleep, I don't just, it, the rules are no longer. Because you know what? Mateo's nine. He sleeps in his bed. Eventually, it will all pan out. I bought the thing where you mix all the vegetables and, you know, distilled water and purified water. And I'm like, Sebastian, you want a chicken nugget? 
have at it, bro. <laughs> that other mixing thing, I don't got time for that. So we, it, so it really was the second kid. It's not that you don't care about the kid. You love the kid. Oh, he's fantastic. I just don't care about the rules so much. I'm like, he'll get it. He's not talking yet. He'll get around to it. He's not potty trained. He's still got a bottle in his mouth. All good. No problem. That's the vibe. That's the vibe I, I want to be on. That's the vibe that we're going to leave everybody with right now. If you're listening to this and you're stressed about what your kid's doing or not doing, no. We're going to be on Christina's vibe, which is like, ah, they'll get it. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Thank you so much, Christina, thank for you, joining thank us you. tonight. I think your story is, you know, a story I would say that's going to inspire other people. It's going to speak to a lot of people. They're going to be able to relate to it, you know, and learn something from it. So, yeah, yeah. so grateful to have I you here today. You guys. I love, I love this. I love Latinas lifting each other up and living life together. And I just really love, I, oh my gosh, by the way, real quick, I listened to the one about the woman, the mom with the Down syndrome baby, yep. Lily. Yep. Oh my God. Tears. You know what? Mommies are superheroes. So I thank you for sharing those stories. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Katherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de Biggs, Consuelo, disponible en la app de Biggs, Jack. 